Uh, it took a lot of courage to write about those things. I, at some points, I thought to myself, is this too controversial? Will this bring criticism? Welcome to the Rethink They See Reframe series podcast, where we highlight the voices and experiences of change makers working towards social equity within the South Asian community. In each episode, we interview people who are leading the way in areas such as education, healthcare, social justice, art, and entrepreneurship. Hi, I'm Arpita Sharma, your host and co-founder of Rethink Desi, a project to unpack what it means to be Desi locally and globally. In today's powerful episode, we dive into the remarkable book called From Ash to Ashes. This book helps us to unpack the model minority myth and the impact of homophobia within our communities. For my K-drama fans out there, I highly recommend this one. It reads like it's straight out of a Korean drama. Our guest is Karishma Aurora, who immigrated to the U.S. when she was a child and has dedicated her life to teaching students for the last 11 years. Um... I had dedicated this novel to my son who passed away, my son Kabir, and um, I thought to myself that I've dedicated this novel to him, and so I have to be authentic. I have to be true to myself and what I believe, and um, this is what I believe, and, and at the end of the day, um, not everyone is going to agree with that, and that's okay. Join us as we explore the intricate intersections of cultural identity, family expectations, and the devastating consequences of homophobia in this week's episode of the Reframe series. So we're going to get into it today, and um, and we're so excited to have you here with us. Thank you, Arpita. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, definitely. So let's get started with our first question. Can you tell us a bit about your book, From Ash to Ashes, and what inspired you to write it? Mm -hmm. So um, From Ash to Ashes is a book about a Sikh family that immigrates to America from India uh, in the early 1980s. And um, they have uh, four children. And the story really delves into, into the family turmoil and when a tragedy hits the family. And I don't want to give it away what the tragedy is, but I'll say this much, that there is a loss in the family. And so all of the characters are grappling with this loss and with their grief. And they're all trying to cope in different ways. But the, the theme of the book, um, there's multiple themes in the book. Um, not just grief and loss, but there's also the, the themes of um, mental health or the lack of awareness of mental health. There's um, themes of the generational and cultural gap between parents and their children. Um, there's also um, themes of forbidden love, um, this idea of inter-religious and intercultural marriages um, and the taboo of these topics, as well as the topic of homosexuality, which is something that is um, not often addressed in uh, South Asian literature. Um, especially in the context of the Sikh family. So what inspired me to write this book was the death of my own son, my firstborn son, when I was 24, almost 25 years old. And um, because I myself personally did not have access to mental health care, which I desperately needed at that time, I was young, I was a new mom, um, and I also was living in the in 
in the United Kingdom at the time with my husband and his family. My family was in America. So I was isolated and I was struggling. And I had always sort of been a creative writer as, you know, as a teenager, as a young adult. And so I started writing this story about a family who experiences loss and grief and how, how they be. And so it was a way, it was for me, a self-help mechanism. It was a way for me to cope, to be able to channel all of my emotions of grief into a story that was about someone else, because I myself was having such a hard time dealing with my own personal loss. In a way, I sort of deflected it on somebody else, you know, and, and that's how the story began. But over the years, and as time passed by, the story then became something else where I started to talk um, about other issues that South Asian um, people deal with, um, such as some of the other things that I mentioned earlier. I, I wanted to address all of these things in my book because I think they're topics that are very important and that are often um, overlooked. You can really tell that as um, as I was reading this, just the the love and care that went into the development of the characters, and it was it was quite an easy read. I was able to just finish it in two settings. Um, how did your own like experience as an immigrant um, and as a Sikh inform the story of Mira and her family in the book? I, I this is a fiction novel, um, so I keep trying to tell my husband, who's like, but people will think that I did this and I did that. And I said, I know you want to be lover boy in the story, but you're not him. It's it's fiction, <laughs> uh, but there are definitely you know some. Um, Parts of the book where are an inspiration for my own personal life. Uh, for example, um, Mira is an immigrant like myself. She moves to New York around the same age that I did. She, she, you know, she attends New York University just as I have. So, you know, there's a lot of that, a lot of those commonalities and, um, definitely like this whole idea of being of a different religion and culture and then coming to a completely different setting, a different world where the perspective on everything is different, but your parents expect you to continue with the same values and the same upbringing that they had back in a different country at a different time, but you're no longer there. So the whole, the idea of balancing all of that, like the old world cultures, you know, with the new world that you're living in was always challenging and difficult um, because, you know, you felt that you wanted to be accepted and acculturated to the new, you know, uh, American culture, but your parents wanted you to hold on to your religious values, to your cultural values. And so there were always, you know, blocks that, that were put on your freedom. You know, there were boundaries you could not pass, you know, there were, um, so it was, um, so definitely Mira, experiences all of those things that I experienced as being an immigrant. You know, I wasn't born here. My parents were not raised here. It's very different for my children who are born here and their mothers already acculturated to American culture. So their life and their challenges were very, are very different from mine. Um, I think a lot of those struggles, um, just, uh, 
as someone like reading the book, um, I could place myself in in pieces of Mira. And I think uh, many people will be able to do the same. Um, I think part of the the challenges when you, when you come here as a new immigrant um, are are those cultural challenges of whether to assimilate or whether um, whether to maintain certain parts of our, our cultural identity. Um, and that struggle can be so challenging based on kind of your history and where you come from. So um, I appreciate you grappling with the tensions of those uh, of those pieces in the novel. Thank you. Uh, I can tell you a quick funny story if you have if you have time. But so the one example was I remember when I was um, 11, 12 years old and as uh, someone who's Indian, you know, we have dark hair. And so we're going to have dark hair on our body, and you know as opposed to everyone who I went to school with who was blonde and had blonde hair and being, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And um, my mother would not let me shave my legs or wax my legs or anything. And Mira kind of goes through the same thing in her school where she's being made fun of because she can't shave her legs because her mother thinks that's wrong because you're a child. And until you become older, you can't do this. But like, but it's a it's a it's a great struggle because in gym you're required to wear shorts or whatever, and and during the summer months, you know, during the warmer months of the school year, the kids are going to make fun of you if you're, you know. So it's 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 even the little things about our culture. There's such a small thing, but it can actually make such a big difference in the quality of life and friendships for a child growing up in America. Um, so. You know, that's an example from the book, which is definitely an example of my life too. Yeah, and I, I definitely relate to that as well and similar struggles. I'm, I'm not, I didn't feel bullied, but I definitely felt different. Um, and I, that, I think that piece really like carried over and touched in like a, a pretty uh, deep way. So I, I can only imagine kind of the, the, depth of the challenge you faced in writing a story like this, um, because there are so many emotionally charged topics in the novel. And um, to kind of, to try and um, bring to light the humanity of the characters in, in these spaces and the, the struggles that they, they face and, um, and the decisions that, and really the choices that they're given, um, it, it really hits you to the core. And so I'd love to just kind of ask you about like, what challenges did you face? Yeah. It, the challenge that I faced writing some of the more difficult parts or phrases or verses in the book were the fact that like, for example, the part about the grief and loss, um, I wanted to accurately channel the pain that I felt. And, um, I mean, it's one thing to feel an emotion and to, to experience it, but it's another way to then express it so that others who are reading it could also feel and empathize with you. And so that was definitely a challenge. And oftentimes I found myself using analogies um, to really, and, and visual analogies. I think I find with, with my writing that I'm a visual person, so I needed to see it in order to express it. And um, so it took a lot of uh, time and focus, but I think I was able to, to relay in a way my thoughts and emotions and feelings. 
because I wanted to show one, the grief that I was feeling and two, in terms of the other aspects of the other characters, I wanted to show their the conflict that they were feeling, the internal conflict, the voice in their head that was saying one thing and then what their heart was saying and how they were in a way stuck. They were stuck in life in places where, you know, they didn't know, they didn't have choices. Their choices were very limited. And so it, and it took a great deal of courage for them to say, how are we going to overcome um, these obstacles and be true to ourselves? How are we going to find a life where we can be true to who we are, um, given the, the intolerance that they were facing, not just by others on the in, outside, which they were facing as well, but within their own family and within their own culture and community and society. Uh, and I think a lot of young people and, uh, and others, they have faced this. So it was challenging, but I, I wanted to make sure that those emotions were expressed, that they were understood. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you shared that. And I think for myself as a reader, when I was seeing the characters really grow in the novel, um, I think that was really powerful for me. Um, I think especially the woman, um, they, they, I think they started off kind of really feeling like their lives were predestined for them, um, in some ways. And then as they continued, um, throughout the novel, they actually gained more self-confidence and they, they began, um, because of like the, the friendships, the relationships that they have in their life, they developed the courage to actually stand up for what they value and, um, and, uh, be able to respond to their parents, which can be so difficult um, when you're when you're coming from a culture uh, where um, one set of expectations have has been like doled onto you, and being yourself really requires the, taking that identity off and saying, "Who am I as a, an individual? What do I stand for?" Yes, yes, definitely. Beautifully expressed. Uh, that, that's right. You know that you're right. How you said it. That how do I take the identity that I've been given and shed it to really be myself, to be who I am? So yeah. Um, so it was definitely a lot of growth in this. And can you talk about this theme of cultural identity and the clash between? the traditional values and the modern culture in the book um, and how they relate to your own experience as a person of color living in the United States um, and, and also in your past because of the living previously being an, an immigrant in the UK. Um, I think the characters in the book um, well reflect my own experience um, as an immigrant who, you know, you feel trapped because in one way, um, you, your, your parents, in fact, want you to accept certain parts of Western culture, but not the parts they don't approve of. So it's always like, um, you're, it's always finding a balance, like where, how far can I go with this, but I can't go this far. And so you see that in the book where there's a point where Mira 
is at NYU and she is living on her own. Um, but of course she's required to go home on the weekends because, you know, if there's no class, then there's no reason for her to be there, you know? So um, there's that aspect. And, but at the same time, there's a part where her parents say to her, we want you to come home. We don't think this is a good idea. And, and look what's happened to so-and-so. And, you know, this whole idea about giving women freedom is dangerous. You know, can, can only lead to to some sort of immoral behavior or some sort of, um, you know, tragedy uh, or shame or bring shame upon the family. So they try to bring her back. And um, but then it shows, like you said, her growth. You know, she's taken on the individual individuality of American culture by this point in her life. Um, as opposed to when she was younger, you see her as a 12 year old, as a 13 year old, where she accepts what her parents say. And then by the time she's 18, she's accepted this part of American culture and she sort of stands up to her parents and says, well, you know what? My education is a lot more important than you wanting me to be dependent on you. And I don't want to go to a regular local school. I've worked very hard for many years to make it to a top university and I'm going to now be here and stay here now that I'm here rather than disrupt my work. And, and so that's like a big thing for her parents because it shows uh, how she, first of all, is talking back to her parents. Second of all, she's disagreeing with their decision. Um, and third of all, she's forcing them to have an open discussion about something they think is not a discussion. It's a decision only for them to make. And so you see that in that example in the book, how the characters in so many different ways and examples such as this one, how they're having to constantly um, to pick and choose of which part of which culture they can keep and which they can't, but at the same time challenging the old ways and, and asserting themselves. And um, so I, I mean, I went through a similar thing in my own life where, you know, going away to school to live on your own is a very big deal. And um, actually the only reason, I mean, it's not the same for Mira in the book, but in my life, because like I said, it's fiction, not everything is in the book is my life, but but in my life, um, my brother was a senior at NYU when I was a freshman. And that was the only reason why I was not allowed to go away to a different university, um, even further, like out of New York, because it was like, well, your brother's there and he'll keep an eye on you and he'll be around you. Um, so it'll kind of be okay for you to be there at the moment. Because otherwise, like to leave me there alone would be like dangerous, you know, for them. So, um, so there was that aspect of it, you know, and of course I had to come home every weekend and I had to, you know, that that was expected. Um, so, yeah, but so you find that um, the cultural difference and this whole immigrant mentality that um, you still have to stick to the old ways of India, even if you are raised and growing up in America and living in America, is part of that immigrant experience. I think all immigrants go through that. You know, they're stuck between two different cultures. And um, um, and I I can also I I also related to aspects of that as well. And 
kind of having conflicts with my parents um, with like attending the local state school versus going to like to Berkeley um, when I had gotten admission because of those kind of same challenges. So um, I'm so glad that like that just I think writing that in the story kind of creates room to now have discussions about um, about those challenges um, and I'm just so grateful for you that like that you've created the language around that experience. Thank you. Yeah. It, I think it's a very real tension that exists for, uh, for a lot of different um, families and many women, um, I'm sure many women have dealt with, uh, had to grapple with, uh, with these challenges. Um, and just the fact that you're creating space for that dialogue is just, it's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I was thinking, yes, education is something that a lot of women, um, either their education is limited to keep them in a certain position of, so you can exert control over them or in certain families where education, um, is expected, um, and it's okay to be educated, but it has to be within the terms and the rules of the parents in terms of like, yes, if you want an education, you can have one, but you still have to live at home and you still have to, you know, you have to go to that school or you can only study this topic. Um, so, I mean, that was the case with, um, her brother where, you know, he's interested in joining the parents business and, but, you know, it's completely discarded. Um, you know, they said, no, that's a waste of your potential. You need to become the doctor because you're smart and you can be. And being, you know, you have to be a doctor because it's, you know, it's a good career for you in the future. But also it's a, seen as such a prestigious career to have in the South Asian culture. Like if you're not a doctor, if you're not a lawyer, and if you haven't become an engineer, then what is it that you're doing exactly? Like, why are you studying? You know, it's, it's that, you know, so there's, there's a little bit of that humor in the book too about, you know, well, you're not going to join our business. We're doing this to just survive, you know, as immigrants in this country, you're going to do something better and greater than us. And I think that is the dream of immigrant parents that you see in the parents of Mira's, you know, Mira's parents in the book. Um, you know, they have the same immigrant dreams that so many of our parents were, you know, had when they came. Um, so I wanted to bring that to light too. You know. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, you definitely did, I think in, uh, in so many different ways. Um, so outside of this book, you are also working on a nonfiction book called Brown Girl's Guide. Can you tell us a little bit about the project and how it might be related to um, the themes of From Ash to Ashes? Uh, well, it definitely has um, themes related to From Ash to Ashes in terms of like what um, the women faced in the book in terms of um, just just being made to feel different because, um, you know, because of who we are, of our skin color, of our race or religion. Uh, our ethnicity, and um, also topics of, um, and I, I started writing this book um, as just a series of short articles um, of things that I experienced as a woman, uh, and not only just as a woman, but as a brown um, in terms of how, what I experienced sending my own children to school, and when they were younger, when my boys were younger, um, 
how there is a certain part of society. It doesn't matter as, as doesn't matter how, what demographic, doesn't matter the higher the demographic you're in, uh, the education bracket might be higher, the income bracket might be higher, but you still get to some point where your physical attributes and who you are will, will, will be a limitation. And, um, and it, um, it, it really comes out in that book. And I want you to know that I have written, um, many chapters of that book about my own personal experiences as a brown woman in America, the discrimination, the, the difference, but I am also going to be taking chapters from other women that I know, you know, we're not necessarily related to me, but their experiences that I'm very interested in, in terms of um, people who have worked um, in the corporate world and how they, how these women have felt completely um, discriminated against because because of them, their color as well as their 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 gender, and how it's always um, you know been sort of like um, a way of I guess in way of the discrimination that exists in this country, um, and um, so how what they've experienced. I also have wanted to talk about uh, women who have experienced cancer and other diseases and how they have overcome those challenges. So some of the things. Um, that are going to be written in that book about are going to be about real women and about their experiences of womanhood in general um, and also motherhood for many of them um, in terms of but from the eyes of a person of color you know how they have experienced their life as uh, through the eyes of a person of color because it's very different from someone who is is white or is you know um, so that's going to be completely different, but I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to read it when it comes out. I think it'll provide a really valuable perspective because I think oftentimes we don't really hear of the experiences of mothers and when they're, once they've had kids, it, it almost feels like that part of the conversation has ended and then they're supposed to fall into certain traditional dynamics. Um, but um, it, there's a lot of grappling that also has to happen in those spaces. And so uh, I'm excited. And I, yeah, maybe we can have you back for another interview on it. When it That's good. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to kind of delve into this other aspect of you as well, which is that you've been an educator and an uh, experienced educator, and you are also a public speaker. Um, how do you see the literature and the storytelling as a tool for creating social change and promoting understanding across different cultures and communities? Well, um, I've taught social studies in high school um, for about 11 years. I only stopped about two years ago after I gave birth um, to my fifth child, uh, my daughter, who is now one, she's like, she's like 15 months old. And so I haven't gone back to school yet because I have a lot on my plate at the moment. So I don't know if I'll go back to teaching soon or maybe after a few years, let's see how the writing bit goes. <laughs> and uh, so I uh, found while working, even though I worked in um, 
in the social studies department. I did work in some schools where I worked in overlapping departments where I did help with English as well as with um, social studies uh, in a, some support way, like support departments in, within schools. So um, I found that literature um, had a big effect on young adults. Um, they, you know, they were forced to, I mean, through essays and papers and other assignments, they're forced to really evaluate a lot of the bigger questions and topics in life. And, um, I found because I worked in smaller groups in the last high school where I taught, um, I found that the students and I were having these wonderful discussions about, um, things like, um, uh, you know, about homosexuality, for instance, um, about, um, you know, the, the questions of being coming from a home, which was uh, a traditional culture, and then, you know, trying to fit in with the school culture. And, you know, and uh, because a lot of those kids were um, of Asian background, they weren't so much South Asian, but, you know, I had a lot of students who were Chinese, who were Persian, who were, you know, from, uh, Hispanic, uh, Latino. And um, so they were going through a lot of the issues that come up in my book, which about where they were sort of like felt they felt torn, you know, between their family's expectations and the American culture that they were living in. And uh, so I definitely think that um, literature, books um, are a real way to connect um, to young people and the young adults, because uh, I think it does resonate with them. And then they're able to, um, in a way, find hope from, from a lot of these books. Um, so in that way, I think um, my story will be a wonderful tool in um, giving the message of perseverance, of hope, of triumph, regardless of the, you know, how bad your circumstances might be, or regardless of the obstacles you may, you know, come into, you know, you may have to face. At the end of the day, um, you know, there is a silver lining in the cloud, you know, um, if find the positivity in your experience and try to overcome those challenges. So that's the message um, of the book. And um, so I hope that I think it would be, it can be a great tool. All literature can be a great tool um, in helping um, anyone, whether they're young adults or adults. I mean, I have been recently reading um, novels of like other writers who whose cultures I really didn't know anything about. And um, I have been enjoying reading it so much because I am learning so much about another culture. And it, I was thinking in my head, like I had some idea, but I didn't realize, like, in, for instance, in this specific culture, how repressed women really were. Like, I did not understand the extent to the oppression until I started reading this book. So I think that um, regardless of who reads my book, whether they are South Asian or whether they are sick or whether they are, you know, whoever they are, I mean, they could be... Um, Chinese, they could be Latino, they could be Greek, they could be from anywhere. And I think they'll be able to resonate with it because the themes in the book do are universal. They're, they're part of the human condition. Um, they're not just, um, just for one culture to understand that they're, they're it's a multicultural themes. 
Um, so I think, you know, it can be um, understood across cultures for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I do hope that everyone um, does read this book because there, there are just so many pieces. And I think um, just the fact that you've written it um, in, in the context of like the U.S., I think you are one of the first writers from the Sikh community to, to be able to share a novel like this. And, uh, and there's just so, um, I think there's so much value in being able to kind of share um, and openly talk about a lot of taboo topics in such a narrative format um, and uh, be able to give people language um, to express their, to, yeah, to really express and better understand their own experiences and, and the context of the, the challenges that they might be going through and having someone that they can connect with in this way. It, it's, um, it's really important. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I appreciate you um, seeing that, you know, and seeing that from the book, because that was one of like, that was the main message. I wanted people, I wanted to bring up everything that divides us because I just feel like the world has become so full of um, hatred and intolerance and divisiveness amongst each other. And I wanted to bring up all those issues that divide us. But at the end, I wanted to leave the reader with the message that is all that really important? What's important at the end, right? It's, it's, it's love, right? It's love. It's unconditional love for each other. And it's also, um, oneness. It's, I wanted the reader to understand that the most important thing in life is understanding this concept of oneness, that we are all one humanity. And we, we just need to unconditionally accept others who are different from us. Um, and I, and, and that's what I wanted to get across. And I, and I, I see that you've seen that. So I'm very happy. It, it gives me great joy. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, you do it very beautifully in that um, I think there's a lot of bravery required in order to um, to do that, right? Uh, where there's there's a deep sense of fear of like, will we be excluded from our community? What will what will people think of us? How will this impact kind of our future, you know, connections that we could make or um, the you know the reputation of our family? Um, and that can be really hard to sit with um, in in those spaces, and um, and the way that you were able to connect the the characters and see how um, those fears can really impact their lives in such a big way, um, and the courage it requires to stand up in those situations and be assertive and stand for for one's values, how how just truly challenging it can be. Um, so I, that definitely came across and, um, and that, that deep connection to oneness also definitely came across. Thanks. Yeah, it was, uh, it took a lot of courage to write about those things. I, at some points I thought to myself, is this too controversial? Will this bring like, you know, will this bring criticism, you know, will it, but then at the end of the day, um, 
I had dedicated this novel to my son who passed away, my son Kabir. And um, I thought to myself that I've dedicated this novel to him. And so I have to be authentic. I have to be true to myself and what I believe. And um, this is what I believe. And, and at the end of the day, um, not everyone is going to agree with that. And that's OK. Um, but I, I wanted to say I wanted to put those things out there. I wanted to bring up those topics that are often hushed and um, and looked down upon because I think there are people who struggle with it. And I, I did want to be a voice for them. Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad you did. And, and I really hope folks read this and, um, and just take away a lot from, from the characters and the, and the story. Um, so my final question for you is what advice would you have for aspiring writers, particularly those who may be grappling with the similar themes of loss and, um, kind of the, the conflicting identities um, and how they're shaping their own experiences and cultural displacement in their own work. Um, would you have any advice on ways that they could deal with those things as a writer? Um, I think my advice to um, any writer who is writing about these things, about these topics that you just brought up, I would say to them, Writing is a very powerful tool, but as a writer, if your authenticity is not there, like the reader can see it, they can, they, they can feel it. Um, I think the most important thing about being a writer is to be your authentic self because um, everything, because your authentic self is going to come through in the writing and the, the, it has to be genuine. So don't shy away from something that you want to talk about. Don't feel afraid if it's something you want to say, but you think others will disagree with. Write fully with freedom. This is our tool to finally freely express ourselves and then to hold ourselves back because you're worried about other things that you know might be like a consequence of something that you've written, that's going to limit your creativity. It's going to limit your writing. Um, so go with the flow. Go with what you feel. I mean, this is, at the end of the day, an artistic expression. You're not going to tell a painter you have to paint within those lines. Otherwise, it's not a, it's not a good painting, you know? So it's the same thing with writing. Be true to yourself. Be true to your your to your experience, to your thoughts, to your perspective. And there will always be someone who will pick it up and it will go straight to their heart, you know, as long as you are your real self. So, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, folks, please check out this book. I will link it in the description below. So um, please do check it out. And um, we'd love to connect with you soon when your next book comes out. Arishma. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here and talking with you, Arpita, and uh, I look forward to being here again. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for today's conversation with Karishma Aurora, the author of From Ash to Ashes. 
If you would like to read from Ash to Ashes or check out more about Krishma, please go to the link provided in the show notes in the caption. If you learn anything from this conversation or are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is a wonderful zero-cost way to support us. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on both Spotify and Apple. And on both of them, you can leave us up to a five-star review. If you have any questions that you would like to ask me about the podcast or guests you would like me to have on in future episodes, please share them in the comments below or send me a DM on our Instagram account, Rethink They See. And with that, have a beautiful day, folks.